0: to the Military Child Education Coalition podcast, the show that illuminates a wide range of challenges and triumphs our military-connected kids' experience. My name is Susan Sellers, and I'll be your host for today. We want to thank HEB for making today's podcast possible. H-E-B Operation Appreciation is a company-wide campaign created to honor the brave men and women of the U.S. Armed Forces through partnering with organizations like MSEC and contributing time, talent, and financial support, H-E-B recognizes and appreciates the dedication and sacrifices service members make on behalf of our nation. For our listeners in Texas, check out one of your neighborhood HEB grocery stores. Recently, the webinar team hosted Marie McGarry, special education advocate, to discuss navigating a child's IEP, particularly when in transition. We've used the Q&A for this week's podcast and hope that you find some of her suggestions and tips helpful.
1: So now, as I mentioned, Marie has Graciously agreed to stick around and answer some questions that our military parents have about navigating their military connected child's IEP process. So, to start us off, Marie, we had a question Do you have to wait for the annual review of a 504 plan if you think it needs to be adjusted?
2: No as a parent, you have a right to request um, a convening of the team at any point. So I would put that request in writing and I, you could call first and then follow it up. You know, you could call the special ed director or the case manager at your child's school and say, Hey, I have some concerns. Um, I would like to get the team together um, to discuss the 504. And You could also start, if it's a 504, you could also start with the classroom teacher and talk about how are the accommodations working in the classroom. So that might be a good place to start too. So you always have that option. Um, But again, if you're requesting, make sure that you put it in writing as well.
1: Great. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad to hear that something that can be done ongoing as needed. Yes. We have another question. What is the best way to assess if your child is actually receiving the accommodations listed in their IEP?
2: Well, I again, that's where those pointed questions and listening to those answers. So you would want to have a list of what your child's accommodations are and then who is delivering those accommodations. So in IEP, those accommodations might be happening both in the general education classroom and in a special education classroom setting. So maybe the accommodation is preferential seating. So you could say to the teacher, Well, where does my child sit in the classroom? Could you show me where my child sits in the classroom? Or, you know, how can I modify, you know, how are their assignments being modified? We are spending a really long time on homework at home, and I know they're supposed to have some modifications to their assignments. Um, So, can you help me? We're struggling at home. What should these modifications look like? Is it okay if I, as a parent, Make modifications on the spot if I see them struggling. So, you want to open those lines of communication. You want to ask some specific questions and then have them have a chance to explain what's happening with the accommodations. And then, if they're still not helping, then maybe those accommodations need to be changed. Maybe that IAP needs to be tweaked a little bit. Maybe you need to have an additional accommodation added or the modifications need to change a little bit. So, you want to be constantly monitoring and constantly having that open dialogue and open communication for sure.
1: Great, and I noticed you phrased all of those in a way that seems to keep that collaborative nature, parents and and teachers.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, That was one of the best pieces of advice that I received and that I give my parents now that I'm working with is to be positive, to be proactive and to be prepared and try to maintain those those relationships because those folks are the ones that are delivering those services. Those are the folks that are working with your child uh, on a daily basis. And I think it's helpful to operate from the perspective that all of the members of the team are all there to support your child, that are all there, that have your child's best interest um, at heart.
1: Thank you. So we have another one. How long does a school have to honor your request to reevaluate the IEP to add new goals?
2: You'd have to look at the state regulations. Typically um, there's like a 30 day and 60 day windows. So you just need to look at what your state regulations are for those things and make sure that that's why those dates are important. So make sure that you have the date down of when you made that initial request and especially some of those requests to reevaluate the IEP and add new goals. Usually they need to respond to you within a certain amount of time. Usually it's 14 days and then they have an additional time to reconvene the team as well. So check and see what your state regulations are, and then make note of those dates. And then once you send that request in writing, that starts that clock ticking. And where's a good place to go to find those dates? So each state on their Department of Education website will have a section for special education as well. So always go to your Department of Ed site for your particular state.
1: Great. Thank you. So what if my child needs more counseling than what the school can offer?
2: That is something that sometimes can happen. So you can look at outside resources um, that you are utilizing and paying for on your own, as well as a supplemental service to what's happening at the school uh, because sometimes they need some more specialized, you know, counseling and more support as well. Military OneSource, if you are looking to get some initial counseling or initial additional counseling, that might be a good place to start. They do offer free counseling for families uh, and for children. So Military One Source is a good resource for military families to start with as well.
1: Thank you. And this may be a specific question, but worth a reasonable amount of time.
2: Um, It's going to depend on the, the needs of your child, what the school might be capable of starting with. And then you can go back and say, you know, I'm not seeing effective progress being made in the 15 minutes a week. Can we extend the time? You know, how can we make this happen? And so going back to the school and seeing how can we adjust this accommodation as well. Thank you.
1: What would you suggest, and this may particularly for our military families, if an IEP was discussed but not started at a previous school, but then a family moves and
2: they're at a different school or district? Okay, so this is where it's really important to meet with that school team before you leave and make sure that you have copies of any testing, any classroom observations, any concerns that that school has and have all of that with you because that is a terrific foundation to start with. Because we do know that this is a process, it takes time to do the testing, it takes time to reconvene these meetings. I know personally it happened with me, Uh, I started, the IEP process with my daughter in November and everything got finished and we had that IEP in place in May and we PCSed, you know, so it does take a while. So that's why you want to be proactive. So gather all of those things together. And then I would contact even before you have boots in the ground and your new duty station, contact the special education person at that school, put things in writing and saying, you know, I'm requesting, we're coming in, Could I meet with you before school starts? You know, I want to have my child, you know, first on the calendar. These were the concerns that we have. It's really paramount that we want to get started here as soon as possible with the IEP process.
1: That's such a great tip to contact before you even get to the new place. I think that's something that has been helpful across the board with educational issues with our kids with how often we move. So why is a child not assessed for an IEP and a 504 at the same time?
2: Well, the 504 is, remember, it's just accommodation. So if your child has an IEP, those accommodations are going to be part of the IEP. So sometimes a child might have a 504 and then there seems to be, their needs are not being addressed with the 504. And you might go back and say, you know what, as a parent, um, you know, I really think there's something else that's going on here. And so I think I would like to request additional testing. I'm gonna put that request in writing. So when the testing happens, um, maybe it's found that your child has a specific learning disability. And so some of those accommodations that were on the 504, the preferential seating, the untimed test, um, those are still helpful to that student, but additional accommodations and modifications that need to happen. You're not going to lose those two that accommodations or more that you had on the 504. They're just going to get rolled into that IEP. And conversely, if you request testing and a child does not qualify for an IEP, but they see that there are some accommodations that could help support your child's learning, that access to the learning, then a 504 could be developed using that information as well.
1: Thank you. We're on Along the lines of moving a student from school to school, uh, we have a parent who has asked, how much grace period should we give to implement services at the beginning of the school year or in a new location? Are they, I, the school, required to legally comply with the IEP immediately? Yes,
2: they are. They are required to begin immediately. And that's why they have to honor that old, I put that in quotes, that previous is probably a better word, IEP when you get there. Because you have to, by law, offer that child free appropriate public education. So they need to be educated not a couple months from now Now, so they need that equal access, just like all the other students in that school. So um, they do have the right as a new school to do additional testing, and to see what programs that they offer. But in the meantime, they have to be offering the other supplemental services and what the IEP has written. Um, One thing I would say is to be careful about being specific about programs in IEP. A lot of schools are loath to do that. And particularly if you're military, you know, if you have a structured reading program, maybe you want to have that is part of your IP, but not give it a specific name like a Wilson or an Orton-Gillingham. Um, so you want to be a little bit more general because they may have Orton-Gillingham at your old school, but they might have a different structured reading program at your new school. So staffing is an issue every year. That is always, it is, it is a challenge, um, but it's not an excuse. So um, they still need to have those needs met. They still need to be meeting the needs of your child. And so they may need to think outside the box a little bit about how to do it. Um, But just because they don't have, um, doesn't mean that your child shouldn't get what they need.
1: I think we have time for one more question. What is the best piece of advice that you received as a parent of a student with an IEP and going through the IEP
2: process? That to move from, in addition to being the prepared and the proactive and the positive, I think those are great, but also to try to move from the emotional piece to the advocacy piece. And that's really hard. Um, It's really hard to listen sometimes to things about the deficits or the challenges that your child might be having. Um, And so it's important to focus on those strengths. I found it helpful to have someone else there with me to listen when I was going through the process as a parent. Um, And I walked in, I must admit, a little bit cocky the first time. You know, I'm a teacher, I've sat on the other side of this table. I get this. It is a Whole different experience as a mom going through that. And that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to become a parent advocate is to support people through this process um, because it's a difficult journey, but it's an important one. You are your child's best advocate, you are the one that is able to best tell their story and know what their needs are. And so um, I always want to help to support parents through that process. And give them the tools and the skills and the best compliment that I can get is they say, you know what, we appreciate your help, but we're good to go now. And that they're empowered to do this on their own for sure. So so I think that's great. Please, those resources, I appreciate your questions. Um, I appreciate all uh, that you are doing on behalf of your children with exceptional needs. Um, what lucky kids they are to have such wonderful parent advocates. So I've loved being here with all of you today. appreciate it.
1: Marie, thank you so much again for being here, for your expertise, your insight, for all this incredibly helpful and important information. All of us at MZAC are so grateful to have you as part of our team and also for speaking with us today. And for all our participants, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your great questions. Thank you for your participation. We really, really appreciate it. And so we are grateful for all of you here today.
0: Thank you. Thanks. If you're interested in listening to this webinar in its entirety, we'll include a link in the show's notes. Thanks for listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. If you enjoyed this episode, like, share, and subscribe, and don't forget to leave us a comment to let us know the topics you want to hear more about. We'd like to give a special thanks again to HEB for supporting this episode, and we hope you will too by giving today's show a five-star rating. For more information about MSEC programs, go to www.militarychild.org. I'm Susan Sellers. Until next time, live a great story.